Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of LifePoint Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, check out lpcvan.com forward slash youth. Guess me every time. How many of you live in the continental United States? Then I have good news for you. You can go to that concert. Like the people in India right now that just watched that video, they're dying, aren't they? They're like, yes, John Mark McMillan. Yes, King's Cup. The continental United States. Never mind, everybody. Go back home. I'm like, never mind, buddy, buddy. So yeah, anyway. Hey, welcome to Citizens. My name is Sam. I'm the youth pastor here. And Citizens, simply put, Citizens, citizens is a community. All right, I see a lot of new faces here. I see a lot of old faces. And we're a family, guys. If you're here tonight and you expected a concert, if you expected a show, you're not gonna get it. Because what you're gonna find here is a gospel-centered, a Christ-centered community of students from Mountain View and high school. And where are you from? Are you from Union? Liberty. You're from Liberty? That's a middle school. Yeah. Oh, Liberty, right? Why is Liberty the L? Isn't that kind of whack, right? Are there any schools that start with a W? Y-East? They're like, Y-East! And you're like, turn it around. It's, I don't know. Anyway, we're a community of students that come from all these different schools. And what brings us together, look how, you're so tall, dude. You're super tall. How tall are you? Say it into the microphone. That's not a microphone. It's, he's 6'6", right? Where else will you find a 6'6 person hanging out with, how tall are you, Grace? 5'6", 4'6", 3'6"? Like, dude, you're in sixth grade, right? You're a junior at Union High School. Where else would you find a junior varsity basketball player in the same room two feet away from a sixth grader? You know what I'm saying? Like, what is that about? Dude, we got swimmers. I see, I see some Camus papermaker swimmers in the house, right? I saw Ethan in the back. Like, where else would you find Camus swimmers hanging out with, like, Union basketball players and Prairie Horse Rider Associationers? You know what I'm saying? Like, this is such a cool and diverse group of people. And when you go to chess club, everybody plays chess, right? When you're on the track team, everybody does track. When you're on the football team, everybody plays football. But this is not an affinity group. This is a Christ-centered community. And so the thing that brings all of us together is a belief that God has saved us through his son, Jesus Christ. We believe, we have this, audac- this, this audacious message that God was not holding our sins against us, that God is not some dude in the sky who's like checking his list and he's checking it twice. You're like, that's Santa, exactly. That's not God. God is full of love and mercy and he sent his son, Jesus Christ, so that when he died on the cross in our place, we could be brought into his family, adopted into his family as children of God. And so for the next few moments, I want you to give your attention. I want you to respect a very special young lady as she comes to tell you the story of how God has adopted her into his family. So give it up for Anna Martin. Oh, you need a microphone. I'm actually gonna stand really close to you so that you can have the microphone. Just talk and introduce yourself. No, I'm not serious. (laughs) She's like, I cannot do this. Hello. Is it on? Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, hi, guys. I'm Anna Martin. Um, I'm, um, uh, I've been going here for a while now. Um, I'm a junior at Prairie High School, 
and I'm a cheerleader and a musician and a student leader here. Um, so first off, I would like to um, say the lyrics of a song that um, I feel like the words are often uh, discarded, but they mean so much to me. Um, the song goes, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wrench like me. I once was lost, but now I'm find, found, was blind, but now I see. Um, my journey with the Lord has been a long, trusting, struggling relationship that has entailed a lot of patience. Um, I was born in old soul, my parents called me. Um, with my father as a youth pastor and my mother always being involved in the church, I had always been acquainted with the idea of a loving and everlasting God. So my mind was always 100% sure that there was a God and we had a purpose and we were all going to heaven. Now going back, I told you that my parents said I was an old kind soul. Um, and looking back, this was always true. My heart always wanted to love like Jesus, even when I didn't know Jesus. In my soul, I always wanted to be good, and I always longed for that goodness. My life seemed pretty perfect as a child, right? For the most part, it was, but just like every family, there were secrets. My father, a youth pastor at the time, was both verbally and physically abusive to my mother and my oldest brother. And to let the other children forgive him, um, he bought us everything we wanted. So as a child, I was spoiled, rotten, and brought up in a wildly poorly led home. And when the depression hit in 2008, it didn't get better. Fast forward to middle school, my heart still longed for goodness and my father still mistreated us. October 24th, 2013, I woke up to the loudest roar of anger and the loudest hit I've ever heard. And when I came out of my room, the tears were only at the beginning. Most of you can infer what happened. That night, my father went away. Most of you can also infer where. Um, that night, real fear, fear had been set into my good-seeking heart, and my kind soul was erupted. All of a sudden, my mother, the strongest woman I've ever known, was alone, and we had no leader. Through this time, my heart grew very hard. I hated my mother, I hated my family, and most damaging, I hated myself. During this time, I met a very important friend named Whitney Klimas, who introduced me to a church called LifePoint. This was um, one of the first times I had been introduced to a church community other than Sunday school. The summer of 2014, my father came back from where he was, but new. And I was new too. We had switched roles this time. I had a bitter heart that was hardened, and he had a kind, soft, good-seeking heart that now wanted to turn everything right. He turned into the man that only by God's good grace was a perfect leader, and I wasn't the daughter that he knew and I wasn't the daughter that he knew. This time in my life, I was 14 and hated the person I had become. I hoped and held on to the grace and, that he promised and the plan that he laid out, but I couldn't find the salvation that I so badly needed. So I turned even further away, making my heart so hard. Looking back, I thank God so much for, this, for his grace and giving me my mother at this time, for she was the only friend that I had and, my, and the only leader, and, my, and the leader at the time. Freshman year, my heart was still hard. March of 2016, I returned to LifePoint um, that Whitney had taken me in 2012. Sam's messages softened my heart with every word God spoke through him. I heard about the forgiveness of a father, the kindness he shows us and um, that we also show, and the mercy he shows even when we definitely don't deserve it. When I started coming back, I was entirely overwhelmed by my sin. God, had soft God was softening my heart and making my soul the way it was again. My, he my heart hurt as God did this, though. That summer, I went to summer camp, 
And there I learned that the weight of my sin could all be lifted and forever taken away. At this moment, I learned how my father came back so new and different. And this would be the reason I came back so different. In him, through him, and by him, I became the daughter to my mother and father that he had made me to be. But I still felt like I had no community. I still felt somewhat lonely. Little did I know God would do his greatest works through me in this time. Sophomore year was a time of silence and solitude, practicing God's word at home and at, at school and at home every day, and reading how I could be more like Jesus was my passion during this time. I devoted every moment I had to reading my Bible and practicing his word. I was purely satisfied in a love that I couldn't see. A love so amazing saved my soul. So amazing. Thinking back, I remember times when I would be so satisfied that the hunger for food would go away. That year, I prayed for a good community a lot. I knew God had, a pro had promised me a good community. So I waited on the Lord every day and hoped and trusted in him. Some days were hard, but it made my roots in him that much stronger. This past summer, God showed me a community I would n normally never think of, my church community. This last summer, God showed me his amazing love through my peers. My best friends, I now call them. The people I can't live without. My church community, I can't live with you guys, without you guys. We have the same goals, the same wants, and most important, we, say, we share the same passion to want to show Jesus to people every day. My brothers and sisters, thank you for showing me God's endless love. My heart has softened. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me and every day walking by, side by side with me through every struggle and every heartache and every celebration and every miracle. God is the wind in my, in my sail that keeps me going day by day. How could I be more grateful? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. But was blind, but now I see. Hey, let's um, stay here for a second. Man, it's real, huh? Isn't this awesome? And I know many of you share a similar story, but uh, let's pray as we get into tonight. Let's pray for Anna and for the rest of our community. Lord, thank you for our sister here, God. Thank you for the work that you've done in her life. And Lord, as, um, as we see the gospel play out in real time, God, not in theory, not as an abstract concept, but Lord, in a real person's life, God, it, it draws our eyes to you and we go, Lord, you're real and you're doing something, God. So would you continue to work? Continue to do something amazing in this community, in these students, Lord. And uh, may the result of all of this be glory to you, Lord. May people see you for how beautiful you really are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank Anna one more time, huh? Yeah. All right, go ahead and open up your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. If you're borrowing our blue and white Bibles there, you can turn to page 987. 987. We're continuing a series here called Still Standing. Okay, so this is our fifth week in the series called Still Standing. If you're like, dude, I missed the first four episodes, I need those. Just go online, lpcvan.com slash youth, and you can watch all those episodes, all right? So you can binge watch them tonight while you're sitting in your bed, eating your popcorn, binge watch some sermons, some videos, and uh, it'll be tight. So are you guys ready? If you're ready, give me like one of these. Give me like a, like you're about to run a race, right? A little, a little warm up. Okay. Okay. If I preach like this the whole night, would that be distracting? All right. Deal. All right. Here we go. Here we go. First Thessalonians chapter three. Question for you. Has something ever kept you tossing 
and turning. Hands, okay. How many of you have ever stood up all night, right? And you're laying in bed and you do not fall asleep until the wee hours of the morning because you are consumed by something between your ears. How many of you? Okay, all right. And you know, right? You're laying in bed there and you're like trying every different position. You're trying the double pillow. And you're like, who sleeps with a double pillow? Anybody double pillow? You guys are weird, man. The double pillowers? What? How do you not wake up like this, right? And so you're like, dude, you look weird. Double pillow? Yeah, man, told you. Shouldn't have done it. And so you try the double pillow. You try the pillow between your knees. You try the other side of the bed. And you're like, it's cold over here. Nothing that you try works. You're tossing and turning. And there comes that point where you just say to yourself, you go, man, I can't take this anymore. If I do not do something about this, and I'm not talking about counting sheep. If I do not do something that will change this, if I cannot do some sort of action here, I'm going to explode. Have you ever stood up at night tossing and turning? Okay. I'll tell you a story. There was a man named Paul. And Paul was staying in this little Greek motel, okay, in Athens. And so Paul's laying there in his Greek motel and he is tossing and turning. And no, I know what you're thinking. It was not the gyro that he ate last night, okay? Also known as a euro, okay? It was not the gyro that he ate last night. He's tossing and turning because he is consumed with a thought. He cannot stop thinking about the Thessalonians. Man, he spent three of the best weeks of his life in Thessalonica. He told them the good news about Jesus Christ. Paul was there and guys, you should have seen their faces. He was telling them the good news that God would not count their sins against them, but instead that he would put their sins on Jesus and invite them in as if they had never sinned. And you should have seen their faces. Man, they were hungry to learn more about Jesus. No, no, they weren't hungry. They were convinced. You should have seen the way they turned from their idols to serve the living and true God. You should have seen the look in their eyes when every time Paul was speaking, they were sitting there just on his every word. If only he could have had more time with them. If only he wasn't forced to leave like a, like a criminal in the middle of the night. If only he could have been there a little bit longer to teach them about the gospel. If only he had stayed a little bit longer. He would have loved to be with them. And instead, they're left in their city, alone, in one of the most hostile environments that you could ever imagine. And Paul is tossing and he's turning, asking himself a simple question. How are these afflictions affecting them? He can't sleep. He's tossing, he's turning, nothing is working. All he can think about is how are these afflictions affecting these new Christians? And it comes to a point where he says, I can't take it anymore. I need to do something about this. And we turn to chapter three and what we've been waiting for, for four weeks, we're gonna find out. How are these afflictions affecting them. Check it out, verse one. Therefore, 
When we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Let's pause the story there. Let's go back. Look at verse one. When Paul can no longer stand it, when he could bear it no longer, who does he send? He sends Timothy. And now you have to understand this, right? He has, I, I need a crew here. You three, come here, come up here. I just, I just need you to be the Thessalonians. I, I need visuals, right? So you stand, stand here. I want like a huddle up, huddle up on top. Chip, chop, 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 chip, chip, chop. Suey, right? So they're there. They're the Thessalonians, right? And he's over here and he says, man, I, I want to know how have these afflictions affected them? So he sends Timothy, right? And he says, Timothy, I want you to go over there. Listen, game plan. Huddle up, huddle up. Bring it in, bring it in. All right, you're going to go run about 40 miles. Take a left. Go to Thessalonica, right? And I want you to tell me, go. Tell me how they're doing. Go check up on their faith, right? Good. That's good. Very genuine. Caring, right? But notice, here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to know. This is not simply recon work, okay? This is not simply a recon mission. He's not simply going to, to give them a report and to tell them how they're doing. He says, don't just tell me how they're doing. I want you to do something. Timothy, this is more than a recon mission. This is a mission for you to work. Do something. And so what is our Timothy going to do? He's going to establish and exhort them, Okay? Establish and exhort. All right, I'll teach you how, right? So come here, right? And so here they go. Here's what this means to establish and exhort them. These three here, huddle up, huddle up. You three here, stand in a circle, right? They are in the middle of a hostile environment. They're suffering affliction, which we'll get to, and we've gotten to every week. And so they're on shaky ground right now, right? They are being under pressure, uh, uh, not a seizure, just shaky ground, right? Come on now, right? They are under shaky ground and, and Paul is nervous that they're gonna fall. Paul is nervous that they will no longer be standing. So he says, Timothy, so knees are shaking here, right? They're shaking. He's establishing them, which means he is going to fix firmly in place. Help me establish them, right? So it's like they're on rocky ground here. They're gonna try to fall. And he's like, no. And he's gonna help keep their feet there, right? Establish their feet. Fix them firmly in place. Make sure that they're not falling over, but they are rooted. Don't just establish them, Timothy. Exhort them, right? So earnestly call for response or action. Do that. Earnestly call for response, right? And so as he's exhorting them over there, he, what, see what he's doing? That's <laughs> yeah, awesome. In other words, friends, look what he's doing. He is helping them. He's leading them and he's guiding them establish them in place, exhort them, teach them, lead them and guide them. And why is Timothy doing all of this? Why is he on a mission to do something? Look at the verse. That no one be moved by these afflictions. He sends Timothy there so that when afflictions come over to push them over, they're not getting pushed over, right? Because they're fixed in place, they're established and he's being, they're being exhorted on how to stand. Does that make sense? Thessalonians, you may be seated. Thank you. Timothy, our coworker, Knuckles. All right? Good job. Good job. 
Good job. So here we go. Why? So that no one be moved. So Timothy here, right? Paul can't take this anymore. So he sends Timothy on a mission. But notice this. This is crazy. Notice what Timothy does when he's getting sent on a mission. Look at what he's called. Look what they call him. God's coworker. How many of you have coworkers? Anybody have a job? You're like, I don't have a coworker because I don't have a job. Because I'm 13, Sam. Good one. Rub it in. Sorry, you can come over to my house. I will pay you to pull weeds in cookies. Um, yes, I pay in cookies. And all the middle schoolers are like, yes? All right, I'll take that. Thank you. So a coworker, when you have a job, when you have a job, your coworkers are people that are on the same team as you. They're on the same mission as you. They have the same goal as you. And so friends, are you ready for this revelation here? God has coworkers. How cool is that? Like he sends Timothy, so homeboy Timothy goes over there and he's doing his thing, he's establishing, he's exhorting, and the text says that he is God's coworker. Friends, think about this. If God has coworkers, that means a couple things. First of all, it means that God is actually working, right? If God has coworkers, that means he is a worker. Students, be encouraged tonight. God is, God is working in you. That means that Timothy's not the only one established and exhorting. God is actually at work to help establish you and exhort you. God is at work in your life to see you grow in your faith so that you will not be moved. Be encouraged. God doesn't just save you. God doesn't just give you a new record. God doesn't just perform amazing grace in your life. God doesn't give you a new heart and a new slate and just go, all right, good luck. God saves you and then students, he continues to work in you. The story of Christianity is not hold on to the end. If you need me, call me. And there's a lot of people that view Christianity like that. God got me out of hell. He gave me a get out of hell free card. And now for the rest of my life, if I just obey enough, I'll, I'll see him at the end. No, that's not God. When God saves you and brings you into his family, he's there continually working in your life. And he's making you look more and more like his son. He's making you look more and more like what he's created all human beings to be in his image. And so if God has coworkers, that means, first of all, that he's working. But second of all, it means that he's included people in his mission. Think about that. If God is working in your life and he's included people to be a part of that mission in your life, then what is that? how does that affect our view of our spiritual leaders? Think about that, right? You thought the people with the red lanyards were just supervisors, huh? You're like, well, when I'm at school, we have chaperones. Isn't that what they are? Aren't they just the chaperones with the red lanyards? No, they're not chaperones. There are adults in this room who, believe it or not, were once teenagers. <gasps> they were not born old. I was not born at the age of 24. Benjamin Button wasn't even born at the age of 24. Come on now, right? Friends, we are people who have been where you are. We struggled through high school. We made mistakes in high school. We learned how to repent of our sins in high school. And so when spiritual leaders come alongside of you, 
You have to view them as God's co-workers in your life. They are working alongside of God to help establish and exhort you, which means to keep the co-workers, to keep spiritual leaders at arm's length distance is to reject God's work in your life. This is a community that does not keep our leaders at arm's length distance. This is a community that doesn't go, oh, the chaperones, they stay over there and talk to the other chaperones. In case of emergency, like, you know, if we're bleeding or something, then we'll go to them. But for the rest of it, it's just like our own little youth club. First of all, nobody would go to that youth club, right? Because that base is broken. But seriously, we are a community. We don't keep our youth leaders at arm's length distance. Instead, we embrace them and we, we draw them near and we let them come into our lives and we encourage them. I love seeing pictures on Snapchat and Instagram of birthday parties and Lila's there. You know what I'm saying? It's like partying, Lila, come on, Lila. And she's like, what's a Snapchat, right? It's like you take pictures. Where do you print them, right? It's like, isn't it crazy though? Isn't it crazy? I love seeing our youth leaders be embraced because friends, when you embrace godly authority, you're welcoming God's work in your life. To embrace godly authority is to welcome God's work in your life. And so Paul is here and he sends a coworker to the Thessalonians, but here's the question. Why is he so worried? Why is he so nervous that they may fall? Why is he so concerned that he's tossing and turning and he needs to send Timothy? Why is he so nervous? Because of affliction. Students, we've talked about this a lot in this series, right? This is no mystery. We've talked a lot about how these afflictions are normal. Friends, these are one of the pillars. This is from the very beginning, their story. One of the pillars of their story is that, hey, part of the Christian life, you will be persecuted by others. This is normal. That's why Paul says in the text here, he says, you are destined for this. A lot of television shows, they don't portray Christianity that way, right? Join now and for four easy payments of $25.99, you will have the best life ever. That's not Christianity. Join now and you will have the best life ever with all the friends you ever wanted and no troubles. And you go to heaven. It's like, dude, read your Bibles. That's not Christianity. Christianity says when you follow Jesus, you will be some of the most unpopular people in society because you carry perhaps one of the most offensive messages. But why am I doing this then? Oh, because it's totally worth it. And you'll experience life like you've never experienced it before. And all the things that you used to value and that you thought were life, you'll realize that those were rubbish and life with Christ is most satisfying. That's the message of Christianity. And so he's nervous that under these afflictions, they will have fallen. So we've talked a lot about affliction, but notice what else is said here. And I, I really want you guys to pay attention to this because this is not maybe common for you to think about as teenagers. It's not simply affliction. It's not simply the natural series of events in your life. Check this out. For fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you. Students, do you understand that there is a person, there is a personal enemy of your soul, right? The word tempter here, this is the same word that's used in Matthew chapter four when it's talking about the devil. And the tempter, he goes and he tempts Jesus three times in the wilderness. 
And so Paul is nervous that the devil, that this enemy of their souls would come along and try to tempt, the, tempt them, just as he did to Jesus, try to tempt them that all of these afflictions are not worth it. The devil comes and he says, look at all the affliction you're suffering. Look, at, they're calling you all these names. You're experiencing persecution. That's not worth it. Give up. Don't stand, lay down, quit, fall over. It's not worth it. And so they're experiencing affliction and they're experiencing the opposition of the enemy, of the tempter. And that's why Paul feels the need to come and say, no, 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 don't give up. Still be standing. I'm fearful that if you do not stand, then our labor would be in vain. Those three weeks of ministry, those baptisms, everything that you've experienced when you follow Jesus, all of it would be for nothing if you were to fall now. Students, I talk about this a lot beforehand so that when it happens, you're not surprised. May there never be a citizen student that graduates from high school, goes out into the real world and goes, oh, I, I'm being persecuted for being a Christian. Sam never told me this. We're telling you beforehand and as most of you already know, this has come to pass. Students, you will be called a bigot. You will be called hateful. You will be called all sorts of names. You will be called superstitious. You will be called all, you, you will be called all old fashioned. You follow Jesus? Like, are you not smart? Are you not educated? Don't you know about science? Aren't you enlightened? And they will throw all these labels at you. And then on top of it all, there will be a tempter who comes to you and tries to whisper in your soul, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. You're losing friends over this. It's not worth it. You're losing sleep at night because of all the names you've been. It's not worth it. Students, this message, yes, it's offensive. Yes, to those who don't believe, they may look at you like you're crazy, but to those who believe, to those who stand, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. This message has the power to save your souls, just like we heard from Anna, and just like we heard last week from Colton. This is the message of God's good news that he's saving the world through his son. It's worth it. It's worth it. And so we have an enemy, good news, right? Not good news, Sam, not good. There's an enemy, there's affliction. But here's the good news, students, that even while there's an enemy actively working, we see in these verses that God is also actively working and he's not alone. Because to keep us standing, God works in us and sends coworkers to us. You're like, Sam, I can't take all the bad news, the affliction and the tempter. Is there any chance that I can actually stand in this faith? Yes, there is. Because to keep you standing, God is working in you and he's sending coworkers to you. God is working, students. He's working. And so here we go. Are you ready? Timothy, our coworker, he goes to see the Thessalonians. He goes over there and with a question, the climax that we've been waiting for for four weeks, how have these afflictions affected them? What do you think? What will Timothy find when he goes? Will they still be standing? Will they be limping? 
Will they be completely fallen? Maybe they'll be like those kids after camp that when you try to talk to them about those moments, they go, no, dude, that never happened. Uh, forget about it. Pretend like it never happened. Like, what will he find in Thessalonica? We've been waiting for this for four weeks, students. Are you ready? What do you think he's gonna, what do you think? What do you, like, just, what is he gonna find? How are these brand new Christians that were left in this hostile environment, how are they gonna respond? What will he find? Are you ready? Climax. Are we ready to do this? All right, let's see what he finds. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Friends, we have good news. Good news, they're standing. Timothy, go and tell me how they're doing. Go and do something. Good news, they're standing fast in the Lord. Friends, they're experiencing affliction. They have a tempter of their soul. There's the devil. And yet, can you believe it? Students, can you believe it? They're standing fast. Look what he finds. They have faith. They still have faith in Jesus. How do we know that it's genuine faith? Because it's working itself out in love, right? Those are like twin attributes. They always go together, faith and love. What else is happening? That they long to see them. They remember fondly the people that led them to the gospel. They remember Paul and Timothy and Silas and they think about them often and they go, man, those people changed our lives. I'd love to be with them. They're still standing. Can you believe this? Students, can you believe this? Can you explain this? They are standing fast. And what we read in these verses is that when Christians are standing fast, co-workers are rejoicing. We're my, we're my red lanyard co-workers in the house, right? Come on now, right? When Christians are standing fast, co-workers are rejoicing because that was the mission. <laughs> because that was the point. So look what it says, right? He says, in all of our distress and affliction, we have been comforted. Students, how many people know Paul's got problems, Right? Paul, Paul has his own distress and affliction. Paul's been run out of, he's being run out of Greece. He's being beaten. He's being mocked. He's being smuggled in secret like a love letter. This dude has got problems and yet he's reacting as if he just won the lottery. Now I live. What are you talking about, dude? You're still bleeding from the last beating. I'm a rapper and I don't even know it, but I'm not a rapper though. Right? Paul has his own problem. You'll get that later. You'll watch the video and be like, oh, I see what he did there. Paul has his own problems and yet his reaction reveals how much he loves and cares for these people, right? His reaction is showing how he really feels about them. Now we live. Students, this is a picture of God's coworkers. I want you to understand that because there will be lots of people in your life that claim to be coworkers. There will be lots of older people who claim to be Christians and they'll come alongside of you and they will claim to go, let me teach you how to live for Jesus. But students, here's the mark of a true coworker. They are as concerned for others as they are for themselves. Where are my coworkers at? 
This is the portrait of a real coworker. Someone who takes as much joy and comfort knowing that God's children are standing fast as they do in their own well-being. Paul loves them so much that their well-being makes him as glad as his own well-being. They're still standing. Be honest now. How many of you are surprised? How many of you are like, you know what? I got a little bit of skeptical there. I thought maybe they'd be a, like limping at least, right? Standing on one leg, falling over. I mean, are you surprised? Honestly. Is anybody surprised that they're still standing? Are you, did you expect such a good report from Thessalonica? Students, there's only one explanation for this. Like Paul, Paul led them to the Lord, gave them the gospel, got torn away from them. He's gone for God knows how long. They're left there being persecuted and tormented because they're now Christians. And Paul's like, dude, there's no hope. Is there any chance that they're still following? I don't know, I don't know. Timothy, go! And he comes back and he goes, bro, they're good. They're more than good. They got faith and love, and they're standing fast. And oh, by the way, they send their love, and they say, come visit any time. And you're like, how are they still standing? There's only one explanation for this, students. There's only one reason. And you know what that is? It's because God will finish what he started. The only way that you can explain how these Thessalonians were standing alone in a hostile environment, like all of the odds are against them. But the only way we can explain this is because God will finish what he started. Eyes up here. Check it out. Check it out. They're not standing because of how naturally strong they were, right? The emphasis is not on the quality of their faith. It's, they're not standing because of Paul and Timothy even. Whenever Paul and Timothy are mentioned, they're simply co-workers coming alongside of God's mission. Friends, the reason why they are still standing is because God always will finish what he started. Remember what he started? You guys remember chapter one where we started and we learned in chapter one that God came to these people through the gospel because he always works through the gospel. And so he comes with the gospel and the gospel comes to them and then works in them, right? The gospel's working in you, right, brother? I feel it. It actually is though. Like literally and for the sake of the illustration, right? That's kind of dope what I did there. You see that? This is like a real life. This is based on true events here. The gospel is working in him. And so he started something here because when the gospel comes, it's like a seed that plants and then it sprouts and it starts doing all these things. And he's like, and actually this is Jackson's story. You should share your story one of these days, dude. That'd be tight, right? You already did it on video. Check out the video. He's on video. And so it comes and the story, it's like it, the gospel story is just birthing things. And he's like, I'm different. And, and now I, I don't want to do the things I used to do. And now I have a new heart and I have no shame. And it's like, I have a new purpose. In life. And it's like all these things. And you're like, Jackson, what happened to you? Did you get on a weight loss program? Did you just start thinking positively? No, God changed me. He started something in me. And students, what we find here is that when God starts something in the Thessalonians, when God starts something in you, he will finish it. I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And so I have the utmost confidence as I stand here that those of you who have had new hearts and have been regenerated, those of you who have put your faith in Christ and said, dude, I'm tired of living for me. This is not giving me any joy. I wanna live for Jesus. For you, student, 
be encouraged because on the day that Jesus comes back and he's brought all of his children to stand there, I'm confident that we'll be standing side by side. I'm confident that no matter what you've experienced in this life, you will still be standing. Paul knows that when God starts something, he finishes it, which is why he finishes his section with this prayer. Take a look. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. Because remember, he's still over here, right? And they're over there. And Timothy was like bringing back postcards and like snaps and, and Polaroids and stuff. And he's like, yo, dude, it's beautiful this time of year in Thessalonica, right? And so they're still separated. And so he says, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that, he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all of his saints. Three prayers here. Do you guys see those? See how he's praying for them? He's like, this is like my dad at Thanksgiving time. When I was a kid growing up, my dad was famous, or can you say infamous, for long prayers. Anybody like that? How many of you have the long-winded prayer master at home? How many of you are the long-winded prayer masters? Like, don't ask Danae to pray, right? So we used to make this joke, like, dad, the food's hot. Come on now, right? And so we'd get the forks, right? And we're like, all right. He's like, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. And I'm like, oh, Lord. Thank you for my family. And little by little, no joke, I am not exaggerating. About four minutes into the prayer, you start kind of doing one of these. Start like opening your eyes. And no joke, there are people Oh, Lord. No joke, right? How many of you have snuck in a bite during a prayer? Come on now, be real. Yeah, you, I see that hand. I see that hand, right? And so Paul's one of those prayers, right? Because when he prays, he's not just like doing like a little like, ay, 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 ay. like when he prays, he realizes that he's like communing with the living God, right? So forgive him if he gets a little excited. And but Paul's like, he doesn't know where the end is, right? He's like, I just pray for this and this. And then, oh, and God, and then, and he's just like, he's just praying. And so we see three prayers here, right? He's not like, oh, and they're standing, amen. He's like, oh, now, right? When you start a prayer with now, it's like, woo, we're getting started, right? (laughs) Now, now, three prayers here. Let's look at these three prayers, okay? Now, may our God and Father himself direct our way to you. First prayer, he's like, man, I wanna be with them. Lord, please, I can't take this anymore. Would you please connect coworker and child of God? Would you please bring us together? That's a good prayer, right? Lord, would you connect more and more coworkers with students at Citizens? Amen? Amen, right? Bring us together. Second prayer. May they increase and abound in love. Wait a minute, Sam, I thought they already had love. I thought that was already checked off their list. Well, I'm glad you said that because love is not one of those things you check off, Right? Love is not like, I got it. Love is like, choo. <laughs> I'm at pitches dogs can only hear right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can increase, you can abound, right? You don't check off love, Dave. You didn't like accomplish that in seventh grade. You're always growing in love. The people of God are always growing in the image of God and God is a God of love. And so Lord, make them more loving. And then the final prayer. 
This is my favorite. Establish their hearts blameless in holiness. Establish, we already saw this word, right? Lord, help them to stand firm in holiness. Help them to stand firm in their purity. Help them to stand firm in the process that you've already begun in their life, which is what? Operation, make them holy. If you come to the academy, you'll learn all about this, that when God chose to save you before the foundation of the earth, at the top of his priority list was make them holy and blameless. So basically, in other words, his prayer is this, God, would you finish what you started? God, would you finish what you started? Present them holy at the day of Jesus. And so our final point, we learned that we pray for God to finish what he started. We pray for God to finish what he started. Now, wait a minute, Sam, time out, time out. I'm not gonna let you go there because whoa, 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 contradicted yourself there, didn't you, Mr. Theology Man? Well, listen, you already said that God will finish what he started. Why do we have to pray for it? You said that God finishes what he started, so then why are we asking God to do something that he already said he wants to do? That's not how prayer works. You beg God, then he changes his mind and then gives it to you. Why are we praying for something that God said he already wanted to do? Now that is the question. We did this before. We did this as a group of student leaders. Do you pray for things that God said he already wanted to do? Yeah. You pray for provision? Yeah. God said he already wanted to provide for you. Why bother asking? Do you pray for protection? Yeah. God said he already wanted to protect you. I pray for protection. Why? Students, here's the answer, okay? This is a point about prayer. God loves for nothing more than to work in response to the prayers of his coworkers and children. God loves to do things on your behalf. You know what he loves more than doing things on your behalf? Doing things on your behalf in response to prayer. It's like a father who loves to bless his child, but he loves to bless him that much more when it's the pleasure of giving his children their righteous requests and godly wants. I love giving my son stuff. My son is two years old. He is now just learning the capacities of his verbal language, right? He's now starting to put sentences together. Daddy, cereal, please. Oh, I can give him cereal. I wasn't gonna let the kid starve. I was sitting there, right? He's like one and a half and he can't talk. Until you ask, I'm not giving it to you. I'm gonna give him cereal. I want to give him cereal. I wanna keep him alive. But when he asks, I will give you whatever you want, Micah. I'm like pouring the whole bowl of cereal on his head. I'm like, just eat, just eat. He's like, daddy, can't breathe. Daddy, daddy, heavy, heavy, right? God loves for nothing more than to answer the righteous request and the godly wants of his children. Students, God wants to finish in you what he started. And you know what's more? He loves to do it in response to your prayers. He loves to do it in response to your prayers. And so I'm confident, I'm confident, students, that God will finish what he started. I'm not gonna be the youth pastor forever. Long after I'm gone, and long after that, God is going to continue to save students. I believe our next youth pastor is probably in this room right now. Which one of you 15 or 16-year-olds, like, what I pers- you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just gonna be the next man up. But what about Sam? What about Sam? He's a coworker. 
God's on mission. And long after I'm gone, God will continue to work in you. He will continue to save you. Long after you graduate, he will continue to establish your hearts in blamelessness and holiness. I'm confident. And so tonight as we respond, I want you to sing out triumphantly. I want you to sing praise be to God. I want you to lend your amen to the praises because we believe in faith that on the day of Jesus Christ, we will still be standing. On the day of Jesus Christ, you will be standing next to your brothers and your sisters because God will finish what he started. If you believe that, say amen. Amen's not a churchy word or a Christian phrase. It's, we, we, we say that when we say, I believe that. Yes, so be it. I agree. Amen. On the last day, we will still be standing because God will finish what he started. Amen? Amen. I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to sing. Let me pray, and, uh, and we're going to respond tonight. Stand to your feet. Lord, now, Lord, <laughs> thank you, God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that the Thessalonians were still standing because of your faithfulness. And Lord, I thank you in advance, Lord. And I ask you that you would establish and exhort these children, Lord, these students. Lord, keep them standing, Father. Give them faith. Grow them in maturity. Continue to work the gospel in their hearts, God. Continue to speak to them. Continue to connect them with coworkers. And Lord, let the entire result be singing praises and glory to you, Lord. Father, I pray that as a result of tonight, we would leave here not the same as when we came in. As we drive home, as we lay our head on our pillows, as we, some of us even double pillow it, Lord. I pray that the thoughts that would run through our head would be worthy of you. They would be thoughts that accurately reflect how good you are. That, Lord, the final thoughts in our mind as we go to sleep tonight would be, God is so good. And I'm grateful for Jesus. Because, Lord, you are. And we're grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.